Day and night and night and day, the living creatures give their praise. Him who lives eternally, they never cease from saying, Holy, holy is Yahweh Almighty. Hello, welcome to Walking in the Word. Um, today we are getting started with the book of 2 Kings. I'm going to be reading chapters 1 through 4. I'm going to go ahead and add that to the screen and we will get started. All righty. So here we are, 2 Kings chapter 1. After King Ahab's death, the land of Moab rebelled against Israel. One day, Israel's new king, Ahaziah, fell through the latticework of an upper room at his palace in Samaria and was seriously injured. So he sent messengers to the temple of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether he would recover. But the angel of Yahweh told Elijah, who was from Tishbe, go and confront the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, is there no Elohim in Israel? Why are you going to Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether the king will recover? Now, therefore, this is what Yahweh says. You will never leave the bed you are lying on. You will surely die. So Elijah went to deliver the message. When the messengers returned to the king, he asked them, Why have you returned so soon? They replied, a man came up to us and told us to go back to the king and give him this message. This is what Yahweh says. Is there no Elohim in Israel? Why are you sending men to Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether you will recover? Therefore, because you have done this, you will never leave the bed you are lying on. You will surely die. What sort of man was he? The king demanded. What did he look like? They replied, he was a hairy man and he wore a leather belt around his waist. Elijah from Tishbe, the king exclaimed. Then he sent an army captain and 50 soldiers to arrest him. They found him sitting on top of a hill. The captain said to him, man of Elohim, the king has commanded you to come down with us. But Elijah replied to the captain, If I am a man of Elohim, let fire come down from heaven and destroy you and your 50 men. Then fire fell from heaven and killed them all. So the king sent another captain with 50 men. The captain said to him, Man of Elohim, the king demands that you come down at once. Elijah replied, if I am a man of Elohim, let fire come down from heaven and destroy you and your 50 men. And again, the fire of Elohim fell from heaven and killed them all. Once more, the king sent a third captain with 50 men. But this time, the captain went up the hill and fell to his knees before Elijah. He pleaded with him. Oh, man of Elohim, please spare my life and the lives of these, your 50 servants. 
See how the fire from heaven came down and destroyed the first two groups. But now please spare my life. Then the angel of Yahweh said to Elijah, go down with him and don't be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went with him to the king. And Elijah said to the king, this is what Yahweh says. Why did you send messengers to Baal Zebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether you will recover? Is there no Elohim in Israel to answer your question? Therefore, because you have done this, you will never leave the bed you are lying on. You will surely die. So Ahaziah died, just as Yahweh had promised through Elijah. Since Ahaziah did not have a son to succeed him, his brother Joram became the next king. This took place in the second year of the reign of Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, king of Yehudah. The rest of the events in Ahaziah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. Chapter 2. When Yahweh was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for Yahweh has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as Yahweh lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, Do, did you know that Yahweh is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. For Yahweh has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as Yahweh lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that Yahweh is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elisha said to Elisha, stay here for the Yahweh has told me to go to the Yardan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as Yahweh lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elisha and Elisha stopped beside the Yardan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken away? And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I'm taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. 
Elisha saw it and cried out, my father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is Yahweh, the Elohim of Elijah? Then the river divided and Elisha went across. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's Ruach rest upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Sir, they said, just say the word and 50 of our strongest men will search the wilderness for your master. Perhaps the Ruach of Yahweh has left him on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha said, don't send them. But they kept urging him until they shamed him into agreeing. And he finally said, all right, send them. So 50 men searched for three days, but did not find Elisha. Elisha was still at Jericho when they returned. Didn't I tell you not to go? He asked. One day, the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem my lord, they told him, this town is located in pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Elisha said, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring that supplied the town with water and threw the salt into it. And he said, this is what Yahweh says. I have purified this water it will no longer cause death or infertility. And the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha said. Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, Baldy, they chanted. Go away, Baldy. Elisha turned around and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of Yahweh. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. From there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria. Chapter 3 Ahab's son, Joram, began to rule over Israel in the 18th year of King Jehoshaphat's reign in Yehuda. He reigned in Samaria 12 years. He did what was evil in Yahweh's sight, but not to the same extent as his father and mother. He at least tore down the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had set up. Nevertheless, he continued in the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had committed and led the people of Israel to commit. King Mesha of Moab was a sheep breeder. He used to pay the king of Israel an annual tribute of 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But after Ahab's death, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Yasharel. So King Joram promptly mustered the army of Israel and marched from Samaria. On the way, he sent this message to King Jehoshaphat of Yehuda. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. 
Will you join me in battle against him? And Jehoshaphat replied, Why, of course, you and I are as one. My troops are your troops, and my horses are your horses. Then Jehoshaphat asked, What route will we take? We will attack from the wilderness of Edom, Joram replied. The king of Edom and his troops joined them, and all three armies traveled along a roundabout route through the wilderness for seven days, but there was no water for the men or their animals. What should we do? The king of Israel cried out. Yahweh has brought the three of us here to let the king of Moab defeat us. But King Jehoshaphat of Yehuda asked, is there no prophet of Yahweh with us? If there is, we can ask Yahweh what to do through him. One of King Joram's officers replied, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant. Jehoshaphat said, yes, Yahweh speaks through him. So the king of Israel, King Jehoshaphat of Yehuda, and the king of Edom went to consult with Elisha. Why are you coming to me? Elisha asked the king of Israel, go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. But King Joram of Israel said, no, for it was Yahweh who called us three kings here only to be defeated by the king of Moab. Elisha replied, as surely as Yahweh Almighty lives, whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Yehuda. Now bring me someone who can play the harp. While the harp was being played, the power of Yahweh came upon Elisha and he said, this is what Yahweh says. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You will see neither wind nor rain, says Yahweh, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and other animals. But this is only a simple thing for Yahweh, for he will make you victorious over the army of Moab. You will conquer the best of their towns, even the fortified ones. You will cut down all their good trees, stop up all their springs and ruin all their good land with stones. The next day, at about the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, water suddenly appeared. It was flowing from the direction of Edom, and soon there was water everywhere. Meanwhile, the people of Moab heard about the three armies marching against them. They mobilized every man who was old enough to strap on a sword, and they stationed themselves along the border. But when they got up the next morning, the sun was shining across the water, making it appear red to the Moabites, like blood. It's blood, the Moabites exclaimed. The three armies must have attacked and killed each other. Let's go, men of Moab, and collect the plunder. But when the Moabites arrived at the Israelite camp, the army of Israel rushed out and attacked them until they turned and ran. The army of Israel chased them into the land of Moab, destroying everything as they went. They destroyed the towns, covered their good land with stones, stopped up all the springs, and cut down all the good trees. Finally, only Ker Haraset and its stone walls were left, but men with slings surrounded and attacked it. 
when the king of Moab saw that he was losing the battle, he led 700 of his swordsmen in a desperate attempt to break through the enemy lines near the king of Edom, but they failed. Then the king of Moab took his oldest son, who would have been the next king, and sacrificed him as a burnt offering on the wall. So there was great anger against Israel, and the Israelites withdrew and returned to their own land. Chapter 4. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared Yahweh. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of Elohim what had happened, he said to her, Now, Sell the olive oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left over. One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunim. A wealthy woman lived there and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of Elohim. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day, Elisha returned to Shunim, and he went up to this upper room to rest. He said to his servant, Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunim I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate the kind concern you've shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as soon as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of Elohim, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. 
And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father, who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. She carried him up, laid him on the bed of the man of Elohim, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of Elohim and come right back. Why go today? He asked. It is neither a new moon festival nor a Shabbat. But she said, it will be all right. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. As she approached the man of Elohim at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunim is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, everything's fine. But when she came to the man of Elohim at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away. But the man of Elohim said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but Yahweh has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as Yahweh lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him the child is still dead. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to Yahweh. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. And he stretched out on him. The child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then stretched himself out again on the child. This time, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi, call the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. Elisha now returned to Gilgal and there was a famine in the land. One day, as the group of prophets was seated before him, he said to his servant, put a large pot on the fire and make some stew for the rest of the group. One of the young men went out into the field to gather herbs and he came back 
with a pocket full of wild gourds. He shredded them and put them into the pot without realizing they were poisonous. Some of the stew was served to the men, but after they had eaten a bite or two, they cried out, man of Elohim, there's poison in this stew. So they would not eat it. Elisha said, bring me some flour. Then he threw it into the pot and said, now it's all right. Go ahead and eat. And then it did not harm them. One day, a man from Baal Shalashai brought the man of Elohim a sack of fresh grain and 20 loaves of barley bread made from the first grain of his harvest. Elisha said, give it to the people so they can eat. What? His servant exclaimed, feed a hundred people with only this. But Elisha repeated, give it to the people so they can eat. For this is what Yahweh says. Everyone will eat and there will even be some left over. And when they gave it to the people, there was plenty for all and some left over, just as Yahweh had promised. All right. I hope you guys have enjoyed the reading of those first four books of Second Kings. There's a lot in there, a lot of exciting stuff going on in, in those chapters, a lot of prophetic implications. You know, it's fun to even take our Padres method of study and apply it to that and see what all y'all might reveal. So I hope he's revealing things that his message within the message to you personally, whether you, uh, no matter when you listen to it, his message is always in the message. And I hope he's speaking to your heart answers and solutions and things that you needed to know from him as you listen to his good word. All right. Blessings and shalom. Day and night and night and day, the living creatures give their praise. 